Hey everyone, welcome back to Read Watch Play. Thanks for joining us for the conclusion of our two-part Life is Strange discussion. Last time, we were discussing episode 3, where Max traveled five years back in time and stopped Chloe's father from dying. We'll pick up right where we left off and explore the aftermath of Max's decision. So, Corinne, you were so devastated by the end of episode 3 and the context of that situation and all of that stuff, everything that was going on. And then episode four just fucking punt, like it just just follows up. I already have my morality worked out on the major choice from episode four, so that wasn't as big of a deal as literally changing who Chloe was as a person. Mm-hmm. So that's why episode three was more devastating to me than episode four. I think it, I mean I can get behind that. I, like I'm, I think I'm on the same page. It's just for me. It was it was very close to being equally rough. as devastating. Not that it wasn't rough, but three definitely higher than four. Obviously, both of them together, both really high up there in terms of things that I find difficult to grapple with from a moral and ethical perspective. Right. So, for context, what is what is this big what is this big <laughs> right. decision so that you're talking about? In episode about? four, you're still in this completely altered timeline. And you're hanging out with Chloe and you spend the day with her. You go out for a walk on the beach. There's all these crazy beach whales because all the weird shit's still happening. And you just have like a conversation on the beach and then you go back to her place and relax in her like converted hospital room, bedroom thing at the house. Fall asleep watching Blade Runner, which I was just yelling at the screen that like whooshing ship noises does not constitute the beginning of Blade Runner. And so no one falls asleep watching Blade Runner. <laughs> they were like, as, it's such a mellow movie. Of course we fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, as someone who has fallen asleep watching Blade Runner a few times. You're a monster. <laughs> uh, the first like half hour of that movie is really is easy to fall asleep to. Is a replicant? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's the real thing. Sorry. Um, so you wake up the next morning and she, you know, she's having some, some like head pain and she asks you to grab her morphine injector. You can have conversations with her dad. And with Joyce. And with Joyce, yeah. You can have conversations with her mom and her dad. To really nail in the coffin of how terrible you're going to feel Yeah. in just a few minutes. So you, you go get you go to her painkillers, you come back down, and you hook her up, and, and it's all good. And then she basically lays, all, lays it all out on the table. She's like, look, I'm definitely dying. I'm a financial burden, an emotional burden, and, like... I finally got to have a little bit of happiness hanging out with you for the last day, and I really think this is the note I need to go out on. Please kill me. Straight up asks you to kill her. And, like, I just, like, I honestly, I, the thing is that I knew, I was already at a point where I was powering through these episodes, so I didn't have the ability to, like, sit and ruminate on what was happening after episode three. I had to, I had to power right into this. And so then I, I sat there for, for, like, ten minutes with the decision screen up, just, like, no idea what I wanted to do because I know where I stand on the issue, like from a moral standpoint, but the idea of doing it is just like, not, not easy for me. This one sounds shitty, but I was mostly worried that I was going to get in trouble with Joyce and William. <laughs> again, cause I kind of knew what I like wanted to do and what would be like what I considered, you know, the best choice. Right. But I didn't know like, Oh, you're going to go back in time immediately after that. I was like, is Joyce going to come in here and be like, what the fuck did you do? Because that would have been too oh, emotionally. Oh, yeah, I was, I was concerned. I, like, trust me. I was like, I'm going to decide to do this, and they're just going to, like, I'm going to have to deal with the fallout. Like, there isn't going to be a going back in time right away. There isn't going to, like, I'm just going to have to deal with it. I was, yeah, that was very much on my mind. So what did everyone do? I killed her. Yep. 
I refused and then rewound and killed her. I refused. Although I will say that I picked I don't know first because, like, yeah, so did me I. personally, I was like, I really need you to be sure about what you're saying before I hit accept. But I will hit accept for you. Yeah. So I think the main reason I hit accept after, again, saying I don't know was because she was saying that she was, like, in an increasingly bad amount of physical pain every day. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it had just been, like, oh, it's because I'm a financial burden, it's because I'm an emotional burden, I would have refused. But because she was, like, like hurting physically and emotionally very badly, I said, yeah. Fun game, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. As we all relive our own heavy <laughs> memories and emotional burdens related to Life is Strange. So we should probably talk about the ending. Yeah, we should probably kind of start zooming through stuff at this point just yes. for yes. for time's sake for some context you you do leave this alternate reality i think almost immediately after yes. making that choice you you go back and you have to actively unmake your decision to save will which is kind of rough because max, yeah, max knows there. exactly what she's doing yeah like a really good example of like the ways that games can make inaction an action and mm-hmm. you really you actively feel that you are making the choice to not intervene yeah um which i thought was really good and then you come you come back to kind of the the world that you've you've been in you're you're back in in the regular game and, and time has passed yes so where do we where do we come back after this uh well a full day later as you know as you would expect considering she spent a day in this alternate world but we come back um in chloe's room with uh all of their the results of their sleuthing up on a cork board yeah i really liked this part that was my favorite part of the game i think um you spend a large portion of episode four gathering evidence from your remaining different sources to try to piece together basically what happens at these vortex clubs what happened to kate and what nathan's involvement in it is to try to find out what happened to rachel so you go to get some stuff from the garage from david surveillance you go to get some stuff from nathan and you go to get some stuff from frank and then you bring it all back and you have a very like a really cool like sort of detective mini game where yeah, you have arguably to... the most satisfying thing yeah in, in life is strange it was really cool yeah. i really like the way they did it and because it's it's so much better than most like detective mini games where it'll like it turns into like oh you you have to solve like this really challenging five piece puzzle you know or some just like garbage that represents the character figuring something out yeah it the game actually has you figure this out and now given it it does a pretty solid job of helping you figure out what the relevant evidence is, but it's it's so I, I think it's the lazy choice. I, I no, lazy is the wrong word. The easy choice so often is some weird abstraction of critical thought that a lot of games do. You know, it's like the the same as like hacking or lock picking or something like that, where it's like, oh, this is just the thinking mini game. But to actually sit and like give you some evidence and have you do it, I think was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're there with the understanding that all the evidence will be there. The solution is yeah. there, which you, is, is not something that can be said for normal detective work. Exactly. But you do have to go through each thing and, and really, like, look at what information you need to pull from this evidence and 
Um, you act, part of the game is selecting the relevant pieces and discarding what isn't necessary. And you go from stage to stage and you decide what's relevant here, what's not relevant. And at the, at the end, you have all of the pieces that you selected that you pulled out from each previous step. And then you have to look at all of it and still figure out what the correct solution is. Yeah. It was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. It was a lot of fun. I agree. So you get that and ultimately you find that it certainly seems that Kate and Rachel were taken to this creepy looking barn out in the middle of nowhere. My favorite thing about this is that when you first look at the picture, of course, Max says, mm, just seems like an abandoned creepy barn, nothing there. And it's like, no, of course, it's exactly that. It's always the creepy barn. What a, you look at all the other pictures, and it's like main like thoroughfare buildings yeah. in Arcadia Bay. It's like places that people go through all the time, every day, yeah. and then an abandoned barn. And actually, yeah. the whole sequence of of going through the barn and finding the way into the darkroom was also really, really well done. Because, A, you have to make really good use of your of your powers in a very, like... Yeah. In a very real but also still very satisfying gameplay sort of way, which is a really great balance to strike. And you also have to call back to the information that you'd already gathered earlier in the episode to learn the passcode for the locked door. Yeah. So it was very, very satisfying portion of gameplay. Yeah. That's and even the one time that I actually did go to a wiki because I had no idea. Mm. I took a picture the of the things earlier because I was like, this is going to come up again. It, was it from the paper that he had written all the yeah. stuff down on? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that was the thing. It's like, normally, I'm, and me and Corinne had talked about this in relation to David's padlock. It's like, normally with this kind of stuff, when I see a number that I have any, like, any concept of being important, I like... I commit it to memory pretty easily. Yeah. But there were so many numbers on that paper, and I was trying them all as pins that I, like, once they didn't work on the phone, I was, like, done. Mm. And just, like, tossing them. Yeah. Actually, with David's padlock, that was one that I had to that I had to look up because I had three of the numbers, and I was one off for the last one. And I just could not figure out what was wrong because I was so sure that I'd remembered it right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the thing. Where I was like, why? And then I looked at it, I was like... Christ, it's like a one at the end or some nonsense. Yeah. But but yeah, so I, I agree. You go back, you you make your way through the barn, you you go and you find you find the dark room, which is immediately creepy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hella creepy. Yeah. And it I turns mean, you out you call it the dark room. Yeah. I it, another one this is this is probably as good a time as any to bring this up at least a little bit. I think that this is one of those moments where it, the game overall does a really good job of just photography as a theme and that it's different for a lot of people. At one point, Samuel, the janitor, makes a comparison between Max and David Madsen about you know how, oh, you, know, you two understand each other because you both see the world through cameras. David is, at this point, uh, trying to get surveillance cameras set up all, all over the campus. And I think it's a really good use of just a theme throughout a thing, which is the kind of thing that I think a lot of games just fail to do. This game is really good at carrying themes, though. I completely like, agree. That is one of its major strengths. I, yeah, I totally agree. And it's the kind of thing where it it's it's still clearly kind of in an infancy. You compare this to like a lot of books or movies, and clearly it's got like a, a ways to go as far as like getting a bit more subtle about it. But that said, especially compared to other games, this is light years ahead. It, and I think it does do an objectively good job. It's not at the point where it's just like, oh, well, this sucks, but it's good for a game. It's like, no, this is genuinely good. It's not like masterclass level yet, but it's really getting there. I like it a lot, and it was really cool to see. And I think this is the point where they really start getting 
active with that, I'd say. And this is really one of the points where I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Photography. It's it's the dark room. Like, I I understand. Like, we, we got there already. Um, and I guess it gets even more on the nose the later. Is, I don't think we're saying it right. I think it, it's literally the dark room. But we're all saying the dark room as though there is a sinister emphasis to it. But it well, literally no, 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 no. is a dark no, room. But it's not a dark room. Well, that's – Yeah, it's a photo shoot like set up. Like a dark room is where you develop film. It, but like the, there is stuff to develop film in that room. It has a full dark room setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first part of the room is a full dark room setup. The second yeah. part is photography studio. Mm-hmm. It makes complete yeah. sense to just call it the dark room because that's what it is. It's no, of course room. it does. I just I, – I, I think I'm agreed here that, like, it is a dark room. It makes sense to call it a dark room. It's still the game beating us over the head yeah. with photography. Imagery. That was the – yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. more right. Whereas, that, like, this is the point where I felt like the, it was – it's like yes, we understand. It's it's a play on the dark room and the dark room. You're very clever. Isn't the name of the episode but, Rachel in the dark room? No, the name of the episode is just the dark room. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh yeah. Rachel in the dark room is what Nathan it's writes over what, and over again yeah, on like a yeah. piece of paper because he's he cuckoo. It's deranged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so it's the kind of thing where I felt like it it was good. It was the beginning of it starting to really bang you over the head with that. But I I, I think you're completely right because it is objectively true on several levels it's it's dark and that it is sinister it is a dark room it has the whole chemical setup uh jefferson by and large i think does a lot of digital photography so he's like printing a lot of stuff out as well the digital equivalent to a dark room he's got all the printers so i i think that like it's all totally true that it's it's working on multiple levels but this was the one where it felt like this was really where you started to like tap me on the shoulder just to make sure that i got that you were doing something clever which is a little frustrating gets even more so when we get into the nightmare later and Nightmare Jefferson is going around talking. It's like, oh, capturing and exposing. I'm like, yes, I understand. These are photography terms. You're very clever. <laughs> but regardless, that's neither here nor there. Can we talk about crazy, Je- like Jefferson's kind of, I mean, because what, okay, so what leads up to that is that <sighs> Chloe and Max, you know, they find Rachel Amber's body buried in like the junkyard area. Yeah, just after they find it's the dark room. Af- yeah, after- yeah, they find the dark room. They find all the photos. They find that binders they confirm- full of women. They literally yeah, find binders, binders full, full of women. women. Yeah. Oh god, I hadn't even made. Uh, yep. I'm so no, sorry. I definitely made that joke last <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they find all this evidence, and you're right. They do. They go. They go to the junkyard, um, and they find Rachel Amber's body. Um, and then later, and then there's a big party at school. Yes, like vortex club party. party and uh and like shit's still getting weird like there's two moons in the sky for some reason or it looks like that so there's this big party mark jefferson comes announces like the which is weird that he's like it's like a party with like alcohol and stuff and like it's like it's just teenagers and then he comes to, like yeah, announce like the, the contest winners using this as yeah their platform for announcing the contest winners it's weird and yeah, then and you're like going around warning everyone you have the option to go around warning everyone like nathan's fucking crazy like you think that he's the one who's like doing all this like stay away from him you can like warn victoria and then because her name is on the next binder yeah so yeah. she's gonna be the next victim and you can tell her you can warn her about that or you can be a shithead and not um which turns out maybe the better choice yeah but based on what you know at that time did anyone not warn her i'm really curious about this because this was the kind of thing where it, it was gonna take like too long to see all the repercussions of this so i didn't go back and check did anyone not warn her i warned her i warned her i, I warned, warned her, her as well yeah well because you can you can go ahead and we'll bring back to this later but i'm really curious about uh what whether that choice has an effect yeah because like what happens is you know you go back to try because you get a text seemingly from nathan because it's from nathan's number saying all right like by the time you get here all the evidence of like what happened to rachel's gonna be gone so you and max and chloe go rush to the uh the junkyard try to like dig up to make sure she's still there 
syringe comes out of like nowhere into max's neck she's like knocked out just as she watches a bullet go through like chloe's head um and when max wakes up she's in the dark room again victor or i guess mark jefferson is there and he's like his personality is like i mean i know like the idea is that psychopaths can like hide the fact they're psychopaths but he just is so very he talks completely differently as like psychotic jefferson than he does as teacher normal jefferson that it was a little bit like it was just a little bit weird for me it was yeah. like he became too much of like this iconic like the the stereotypical villain like oh i've got you now and i'm going yeah i don't know it he was goes, little... he goes full bond villain like straight yeah. up like yeah not he... only is he a crazy psychopath but he's like ah oh, <laughs> let me tell you my whole plan yeah, yeah let me tell you everything that's happened so far he goes from zero to white cat in like <laughs> real fast <laughs> and then later and then you can you get you know you fall unconscious you wake up again and victoria is there or maybe victoria's there from the start i can't remember how it no victoria's not there at the start yeah but um and that's the thing that i'm really curious about is if you don't warn victoria about nathan does jefferson still get her because she mentions that she's the one who wins the photo contest so she's spending time with jefferson that's my thing i think jefferson gets her no matter what because of that i'd imagine so but i know that whether or not you warned victoria is um one of the big like life is strange will remember that moments right so i was really curious about that because i like obviously yeah you know what you know you think that nathan is going to kill her of course you tell victoria but later when you're talking to her in episode five because i think that four just ends in the junkyard if i remember right but um when you're talking to her later you get a brief chance she mentions like it's like yeah you told me that nathan was weird so i was like trying to stay away from him i ended up talking to jefferson and oh my god what happened it makes me really curious about if she had been with Nathan instead, does that end differently? I mean, we, we know now with hindsight that Nathan also doesn't make it. Well, Nathan was, was – wasn't Nathan dead by that point? He may Yeah, that's been. why he never showed up to the yeah. Yeah. party. Yeah, because Jefferson, in an attempt to tie up loose ends, has killed, killed Nathan. Nathan. Which really just – bad plan. Yeah, realistically speaking, but – but, His family's got the entire police department, like, in their pocket. Yeah, that's a good point. That's probably and not – And so much money. Like <laughs> – Yeah. And they own the property that all of this illegal <laughs> shit was happening in. It was just a very poorly thought out plan. It it really is, especially because Jefferson's whole character is predicated upon he has been totally discreet up until now. And the only thing that points to him is the Rachel Amber murder. And it turns out that was Nathan. Anyway. Yeah, he accidentally overdosed her. Yeah. But yeah, so it really does seem like this is, I don't know if it's things are coming unraveled for him or if he's just lost it but yeah i agree poor planning at that point or you know issues with writing the final episode due to yeah budgetary or you know whatever problems yeah who knows and then you go through this like all right so i'm am a big fan of surreal shit in games like surreal sections in games that are yeah, otherwise same. not surreal this one had high points and low points i think because what happens I is like agree. max goes back to try to like go back earlier to when she was because there's like creepy pictures of her that jefferson has taken and eventually what happened you know she goes back she manages to say i can't remember the exact events that happened she manages to save chloe because she goes back all the way i think back in time right yeah long term the the long-term effect of the whole kind of bouncing around nightmare sequence is you do ultimately hit the point where before the party you tell chloe no we gotta bounce like, go back to your place. Just that's... stay in the room. I'll be with you. I'm not going to remember this. Oh, yeah, but... but I mean, that jumps way. That's pre-Nightmare. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's pre the... Yeah. That's... But no, so that's what I was saying, is that that's the only way you save Chloe. Yeah. It takes the lion's share of the episode to hit that point. 
and then you just oh god it's so there's so much weird stuff that happens in that last episode it's hard to remember the exact order of things yeah I mean, so we can we can bounce. I feel like there's a lot to skim over. I don't know if we need to necessarily do it sequentially. Let's yeah. just hit the high points in whatever yeah. order we remember them, and everybody listening can just know that they all happen in some sort of sequence. <laughs> yeah. So the like one the of the main yeah, yeah one of the main things that people talk about from episode five is that uh, not Chloe fuck uh, Max enters this kind of nightmare world, and it's like she's gone back in time too many times. She's like overused her power. She, like, is back in class with Jefferson, but things are, like, a little bit weird and wrong. Like, birds are hitting the windows. There's, like, shit written all over, like, a desk that wasn't there before. The, the thing with this sequence that really kind of hit me was the texts. Did you guys go in and read them? Because there are a bunch. Oh, yeah. She yeah. gets a bunch of text They're messages. Really yeah. Up. They're really and, fucked like, the up. And, one, like, the one that, like, it, like, a punch to the gut was you get one from William. It's right? like, things so really like, die. Like, yeah, it's, 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 um... Hey Max, uh, like say hi to Joyce and Chloe for me, and don't forget to remind them that you let me die. Honestly, yeah. I think the bigger punch in the gut is the one from Joyce, where she's like, "I know that you overdosed Chloe. Like, oh, I you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, basically." Well, I mean, I saw that one, but the thing, I mean, the thing about that one that didn't, the thing is that that is like an un, like a non-real thing, like that is not a thing that happened for real. Right. I liked the text from Pompidou. Like, I mean, it is, but it's like I agree. It hit me less. I don't know. It just hit me less. The idea, though, that in this weird sort of, like, patchwork reality that she's managed to create, that is an action that her character took. Yeah. Is really, really heavy. That she's involved with the dark room, with Nathan, with Jefferson. Well, no, no, no. It's about the morphine when the she morphine. was quite Oh, the morphine. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But, yeah, so you get, like, all... People are basically... You have no friends in this alternate reality nightmare world. Everyone thinks you're just, like, the worst person ever. And just, like, weird, creepy thing. Twin Peaks reference. Everyone talking backwards at one point. Yeah. Literally moving backwards. And moving too, backwards, right? yeah. Yeah. And things are, like... It's it's really... It's, like, nice and creepy. And then you're going through the dorm room. You have, like, a PT-ish part where you're, like, going through the same dorm room hall over and over again. But you're different people. Yeah, like at one point you're Victoria. Yeah, yeah well, so you take PT and Eternal Darkness and smash them into one sequence in one game. Exactly. Well, but I think even then, uh, one of the ones that I like a lot is there's the one where you're explicitly Victoria, but then there's one where you need to go. Actually, I don't know if you actually need to go into the right room, but there's one where you're in Rachel's clothes, and if you look at the map, it's like Rachel's year and Rachel's name is yeah. on like a room. But at, at least I liked that part thematically. It's just like yeah, like. These are all girls who are killed by the kind of Nathan Jefferson thing and just sort of creating, like, a link between them. It was frustrating because I feel like you already get that at that point in the game, so I didn't know how necessary it was. Yeah, and, it was. Th- and then, like, okay, so I like I liked that part for the most part. And then you get into the weird, like, you know, like the Zelda, you're, like, avoiding the guards, trying not to be seen, like, whole thing. Like, uh, that was in Bioshock Infinite also. Yeah. It that one felt to me so much like well we've got these stealth mechanics and knowing that there were budgetary issues I could totally buy it as all right we've got this stealth mechanic how long is it going to take to make like a dumb maze with like people who can catch you and then you have and to you know and everything would, can be dark so we don't need to put too many details in it yeah. would yeah. have been fine if it was just a stealth sequence like a mazy stealth sequence where you had to get to the end to move on to the next thing but the fact that they added the goddamn bottle collection to it again yeah. Was really the nail in the coffin. Like, yeah. what like could have been an acceptable thing to extend the gameplay and, like, put in some trippy shit and whatever. Like, I would have been totally fine. But to make me collect those goddamn bottles again. And even Max is just like, 
this is hell. I have to collect bottles again. Yeah. It's like they know that they've taken the most frustrating parts of all their other things. And maybe that's the idea. Maybe that's some kind of like message via design. It's like, oh yeah, we've taken the things that we know you hate because this is Max's nightmare where all of her insecurities are brought forward. On one hand, great. On the other hand, I still hate you. Yeah. And I don't even know that I buy that. I, it feels way more like, oh, God, what's something that'll take, you know, relatively low dev time to make and will take a while to get through because it's just really frustrating to do. Yeah. I didn't collect any bottles. I just saw the one bottle and then went forward. Yeah, it's for an optional photo. Oh, God. I didn't the even photos. know the photo was optional. I thought you had to collect them all. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, I, mean, I was getting this. all the photos yeah. anyway, but. Yeah. Anyway, the big one that felt the most frustrating to me was, again, like the stealth sequence I did not like. But where you get to the one, and Max goes, like, I hope this is the last digicode. And it's like, the walls are all covered in numbers, and only one of the numbers, like, reflects in the mirror. It, that was the big one where I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of this. This feels like just one last puzzle for the sake of having a puzzle, because this is, like, your boss fight at the end. Is, like, use all the stuff that you've done throughout the game to solve these other puzzles in, like, the most frustrating situation yet. Yeah. Oh, that bugged me. Because at least the stealth sequence, all of the people, all of the, I think, exclusively all the male characters in the game are hunting Max down, and they're all talking to her. And it's all, like, expressing, like, the worst view of them, of Jefferson wanting to capture her, of the principal wanting to make her a scapegoat, of Nathan just being crazy, of Frank being angry about all the things you could have done to him. Uh, kind of what we were touching on earlier of Warren getting really into the just like I'm like a alpha male like I'm strong I'm like your savior like I'm the one who's here to protect you and you don't protect yourself kind of stuff that I really was the the part of his character that was making me uncomfortable otherwise like really brought forward and kind of pulling the worst things it Max's worst images of all these other people out and mm -hmm. making her scared of them like I could see that doing something but that last code I was like this is just here because you have a mechanic for putting codes into things and that was one of those ones that just felt like very frustrating to me in that moment but you come out of that into the two whales where everyone you've ever met is staring judgmentally at you which i thought was a really good moment <laughs> i was not a big fan of evil max because i already understood at that point that this whole nightmare is max talking to herself about her own insecurities so i didn't need that to be doubled up on with oh, look, it's Max telling herself that she's a bad person. I'm like, no, that's literally all the rest of this. We're already there. But I really liked walking through that diner and having everyone, like, saying to you, it's like, you didn't save us earlier. You let us all die. Oh, my God. Like, how could you do that? It just and having literally, they just stand there and look at you. Oh, that was really good. No, I, yeah, I was sufficiently creeped out yeah. by that moment. Yeah. Uh, that was a really good reveal. Then after all of this crazy surreal this crazy surreal journey you're left with probably the most major decision in the game what one would argue although i felt it was a little bit stilted yeah yeah um which is you're there you see the tornado coming and chloe's basically like okay this is probably happening because you keep doing things to save me and chloe is like basically nearly died several times nearly died several other times and Max is like, use her power to save her. And that was the thing that, you know, the first thing that she did with her rewind power. 
So Chloe's basically like, okay, you just need to go back in time and let me die or else, you know, this tornado is going to fuck up Arcadia Bay and all these other people are going to die. I, I'm really interested to see what you guys so, felt about this ending. Okay. okay. All right. Let's back up for a second and this is all going to be relevant to everything I want to say. So let's all back up for a second and say that at some point, one of the plot beats that we get is that David Madsen comes and rescues Max oh, yeah. from Jefferson. And you have the option to tell him that Chloe's dead or not. And yes. if you do, then he kills Jefferson. And if not, then he just subdues him. Okay, great. And also then, Oh, look, you dealt with Jefferson, and also there's a tornado still. Wow, look at how these two seemingly, these two things that seem like they should have, you know, been linked together in some way are not, in fact, linked at all. Let's go fix that other last plot point. And then you go through some tornado stuff, do some puzzles, blah, blah, blah. And and then I think all of that crazy, trippy stuff happens. And then you have the big major choice on the lighthouse. Now, here is what frustrates the hell out of me about how episode five played out and all of this is that basically the game is saying that Chloe was fated to die and that circumventing that is what put all of this catastrophic stuff in motion. And the game spent a lot of time sort of bringing up this question of, well, you know, is it, is it fate or is it just science that we don't understand? Like there were a couple points where we had this, this whole philosophical discussion of, you know, science, you know, fate or, you know, or circumstance, like, you know, science or magic, wizards or wormholes. That's literally something that Warren says. Yeah. And it kind of bugged me that the, the ultimate answer was, yeah, this tornado is happening and all this stuff's been happening because you're fucking around with time, Max. Like, duh. You're messing with fate and now everything's weird. So, personally, I picked Arcadia Bay. Uh, sorry, to sacrifice or save? Uh, to, to save Arcadia Bay okay. by going back in time to the first instance of Max using her time travel powers where she saved Chloe from getting shot by Nathan in the bathroom and doing nothing and well the cutscene takes over at that point and yeah. max just sits there and cries in a bathroom while her best friend slash potential love interest gets shot and killed but you know that being done all of a sudden you know nathan's drawn attention to himself jefferson's stuff gets exposed you know everything gets wrapped up nice and happily because you know chloe was sort of the trigger to unraveling everything or chloe's death was the trigger to unraveling everything the other option, which I did not pick and actually watched a YouTube video of, was to screw Arcadia Bay, basically, and say, you know, as Max, I'm not using my powers anymore. These are the decisions that I've made thus far, and I'm going to live with them. And then she and Chloe just drive in Chloe's pickup truck out of the wreckage after the storm is over. Which is just so weird to me, because I don't like that the game focuses on this whole fate aspect at the end. Because it just makes it feel... Sorry to interrupt. I just Go ahead. Like, no, please. It feels so much like... Everything in episode five, really. It's like you you make these major decisions, and then you keep going back in time so much that those decisions don't matter anymore. And this is the final decision that makes everything you've done so far just not really mean anything. Like, at all. Yeah, either way. Well... I mean, the thing is, is if you choose not to do anything, it doesn't necessarily invalidate everything you've done, except everything you've done has been just wiped off the map, almost literally. Well, all these people have died. Right. It's not even that. It's more so like, if you if you save Arcadia Bay, 
the game throws it in your face that you circumvented fate and that was bad. You could have fixed everything if you just let fate take its course. You know, why did you use those time travel powers that we gave you for some reason? If you choose to save Chloe and live with all the, the decisions that you've made, not only are they invalidated by Arcadia Bay being wiped off the map, but the game is less heavy-handedly throwing in your face of this whole fate thing. Obviously, you don't get the fate tie-ins, but you still don't account for why all of this crazy shit happened to begin with. Why were the whales dying? Why were there two moons? Why was there a weird eclipse and, and a snowfall? And why was there an E6 tornado? The, the, the option where you save Chloe offers no explanation for any of that. So you're basically stuck between, oh, well, it's fate, I guess, or I don't know. Shit's just crazy. I mean, I feel like the second option is the same as the first option. It's just that, like, there's a clear reason given for why everything is happening. The universe is kicking back on the fact that she was supposed to die and didn't. So the whole decision to save her in the first place makes no real sense because isn't the universe going to keep kicking yeah, up shit? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's Chloe, why I just think it makes no, like, logical or canonical or any kind of sense to actually choose to save her. If anything, if everything in the game is is all explained by this idea of circumventing fate, then either everything that you do is completely obliterated from existence because it never happened, or you make a choice that makes zero sense because the universe is just going to keep trying to kill Chloe. Right. It's straight up Final Destination. I was going to say, yeah, this is really the best Final Destination game that... That's ever been made. Wait, I need to hear this al- this alternate All right. story. Wait, before we do before that, can I, say, can I do one thing there? Go. Is that I one of the most frustrating things for me with all of that, because I, I also chose to save Arcadia Bay, though my logic was was in part we don't actually know that like that this is the end for like crazy shit. Like what if not killing Chloe at this point is like, yeah, and then like a meteor hits the earth. But also that at that point <laughs> Chloe is making Chloe is asking you to do it and saying she's saying all the same things that she said in the alternate universe where she was in a lot of pain and she wanted you to kill her with the morphine. And I thought it was really interesting that, uh, again, me playing not as me, but me playing as Max, that in that situation, Max made two different choices for both Mm -hmm. of those because of the context and because of what it felt like. And I, I feel like in a game like this where you, the player, are making choices for a character, it's hard to give that character an arc because you, the player, can pick whatever the hell you want at any of those points. Right. And I felt like it sort of created a natural arc for Max that I thought was pretty cool. But the bigger thing for me there was that this whole sense of all of this is happening because you used your time travel powers to save Chloe struck me as kind of weird because that whole explanation that is taken as faith and the reason for doing all of these things later comes from fucking Warren, who is just like a high school student. He's just like, oh yeah, so don't you see, obviously it's this. And it's like, okay, yeah, because you can get an A- minus on your science exam because I helped you do that. You can explain like this bizarre situation and just say that, yeah, the reason for this tornado is this. I would have been really interested if you go back, you do all of that, and then it all happens anyway, and then Max has to deal with the fact that she gets rid of the butterfly picture. And all that she did was got Chloe killed and all of this shit still happened. Yeah, I like, was kind of half expecting that to happen. Right, and yeah. then I was really kind of bummed that it didn't, and that it did just explain it away that way, because what it came down to for me was, I didn't want to then protect Chloe in that situation, because my big worry was that it would be 
that would be Max saying, it's like, no, Chloe, I can't do this. And Chloe being like, I can't believe you would kill Joyce and everyone else you know just for me. And like, yes, she's egotistical, but it felt like in that moment she had grown and it hit the point where it was like, no, the world is bigger than me and my shit. And then Max going back to saying, no, it's not. And that I would be doing all these things to save a person who wouldn't like have those feelings towards Max anymore. Like that struck me as the complication there. And that's, I thought what made it so different from the scene with the morphine. But I was really hoping that it would go through and be like, no, yeah, you did all of this based on Warren's weird assumption that there was no basis for Like, What if all that happened? And then Max is like, oh no. And then realizes that she, like she like lets the, she tears the photo or lets it like fall in water or something. But then she can't go back and undo it. And now she's stuck with this world where she killed Chloe and doesn't have anything to show for it. So that was my big thing. Just it, I was really frustrated that we're, we're taking on faith this just one-off comment from someone who has no more idea what's going on than we do. Probably has less. So, but yes, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm super no, no, no. excited to hear. Oh my God. Like this, this thing that Clayton said was a game changer for me and I love it so much and I wish it had been how it went. When we finished and we were talking about it, Clayton turned to me and he said, you know, I really thought that Jefferson was also going to be someone who could control time. <gasps> yeah. I thought and, that too at one point. I did. And like, and he was like, and, and that's why he was so obsessed with like, like capturing the moment and like, mm. like that perfect, that perfect moment. And he would just rewind it over and over and over again until he got the shot that he wanted and that all of this crazy destructive stuff that was happening, you know, the tornado, all of the, the animals and the, the moon stuff was happening because there were two time controlling people operating at the same time. And that's why everything was going crazy. So instead of having the Jefferson arc and the tornado arc, it was all going to be combined. Yeah. And then, you know, the explanation you know, you still could have a fate explanation if you wanted to, but then it's so much easier to say, or it's some kind of science that we don't understand and some interaction of these two power powered people that we don't understand. And, you know, and it just feels a lot neater to me. Yeah. yeah I it, did. You know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I did think at one point that Mark Jefferson was also another rewinder, a replayer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> At the beginning of the nightmare, because he starts talking, like, it seems like she's gone back in time again, and he starts talking in a way that he didn't that first time. Um, right, when we, he's, like, talk, and the, when they're having conversations that are, like, informed by the events that have happened so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, before you realize that this is, this seems like it's all in Max's head, like, in, except for the scary birds. When all the birds fly into the window. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Sorry, I was getting blank looks for scary birds. It was like when I said scary hands and everyone was just like, all right, James, cool your shit. Well, what I really wanted to do was successfully communicate to them telepathically that we were going to pretend we hadn't seen the scary birds. Oh. Uh, but it, I realized it wasn't going to work, so. Gotcha. But yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, God. Like, I, I can, I personally can't even imagine how that would have played out. So I, I really don't blame anyone for not trying to think of the logistics of having two, you know, time travelers, quote unquote, uh, or time lords, I guess, quote unquote. <laughs> but like, oh God, it would just would have been so cool from a story perspective. That would have been Because it would have tied up all of these disparate plot points really neatly. And 
it, it would have made, you know, the quote-unquote boss fight at the end an actual boss fight, and it would have just been really great. Yeah, I could see that being... I, I would have loved some kind of better connection between those two storylines, because I, I agree, it it definitely feels at that point like what you're dealing with is here's your A story, here's your B story, and... Like, the closest they come to tying together is in that brief time you spend in the potential reality where Max wins the photo contest and goes to San Francisco. Yeah. And realizes that doing all of that doesn't actually prevent the tornado and that still happens. So then she has to, like, throw away this success that she has. And that's, like, the closest those two ever really come to anything other than, like, narrative resonance. Yeah, I would have loved, like like an actual narrative connection as opposed to just like, oh yeah, stuff's getting weirder. Stuff gets weirder with the murders. Shit's getting real. Shit's get real with the murders. Like the rain is coming. Like there's a storm coming. Like just, I mean, God, the number of times there's a storm coming is that indicator for the plot is developing. It it would have been so nice to see something more than that. Yeah, I agree. So one thing before, I mean, now that we've kind of gone through gone through everything um one thing i just kind of wanted to bring up was one of my favorite parts in this game as a whole was actually the side stories as opposed to the core story and all the things that had like very little if any real connection to the main storyline things like uh and a lot of you see this i feel like more in the earlier episodes but just going through and things like uh there's a girl in max's dorm dana who when you go into a room at one point, it's clear was pregnant and you can go through and you can talk to her about that. You can help comfort her with that. And it's the kind of thing where it feels like you're building a relationship with these other people who are not core to the main story, but do have kind of a a pretty good arc that does come around to them treating you. I imagine differently than if you hadn't been friendly with them. I mean, considering I wasn't friendly with anyone. Yeah. And had no idea these were things. I mean, yeah. Justin like, was emo max. Nobody talked to me at the Fortress Club party. Oh, yeah. No, see, that was the big difference is everyone was, like, really glad I was there. Yeah, like, oh, like, yeah. I'm glad that you came. Like, you you seem so shy. I'm like, I hope you have a good time tonight. And a lot of things like that. And just feeling that that difference kind of from the beginning where I was like, oh, hey, Max? Versus just like, oh, it's so good to see you. You should have told me you were coming. We could have gotten ready together or things like that where it it really does feel like Max has kind of done some coming out of her shell. And it's this kind of thing where you get this sense that she does, she doesn't really want to push people away. She just doesn't always know how to open those conversations. And that's the, what you get from the rewind is you can go and find out how to enter a conversation. And then you use that. And that's how you get closer to people. And that sense that Max, like the spark notes version of empathy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It, which is tough, and I mean, I think that's what the whole thing with, like, Evil Max is, where Evil Max is like, oh, you just used your time travel powers to, like, be popular and all this, like, high school bullshit. It's like, yeah, but it's never, it's, I, and I, it felt like that was, like, the conceit to that was, it's never just, like, to develop this sort of fake popularity, it's to find out the things that actually matter to people and comfort them in times of need. I, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, where, I mean, there's, it is not by accident that her name is Max Caulfield, and that she has this poster that is clearly meant to look like the cover to Catcher in the Rye that I think was the standard cover for ever and ever and ever. 
but she has that same desire as Holden. She wants to be there and just help these people and catch them before they go off the edge. And now for Holden, that's a lot more about being an adult. But for this, I think Max genuinely wants to be kind to people, or at least you have the option to play her that way. And that was one of those things that I really liked, all those side things. And it was never like, oh, yeah, if you hit relationship level three with Juliet, she can, like, call in her contacts at, like, the school paper to get you a printing press to make posters. And that gives you, like, plus one towards convincing Victoria about this. It's the end of that story is just when you talk to Juliet, she's nice to you. And that when you say, you know, this video of Kate's kind of shitty, don't you think? You really shouldn't be watching that and sharing it. You have that option, and Juliet will be like, oh, God, you're right. I'm sorry. And she'll feel bad about it. And I like that a lot. And that that doesn't, like, now arguably that helps you towards the Kate Marsh ending, so to speak. But I, I really liked that I had that option of just all that I get from this is there's someone who is nice to me now or, like, who I feel closer with. And I thought that that was a really neat thing. Yeah. I mean, if you hit all of the side stories, you know, and, and come away with good outcomes from them, you really see how, you know, at the next week after all this stuff's been resolved, Max is going to go into school as arguably one of the most popular people there. But just because she's been nice to all these people and, like, even Victoria and, like, yeah. you can see that, like... You know, if you if you were nice to Victoria when you could be nice to her, mm. you'll notice that it, it stops being so, you know, nasty between them. And, yeah. like, just the whole environment of the school towards Max changes completely. Yeah. I I know I said earlier that I ship Max and Warren, but there is another ship that actually I held stronger to. And I don't think anyone would approve of it, but Max and Victoria. <laughs> oh, no, 100%. Because I just, yeah, yeah. I would I would have loved, and I knew that was never going to be an option. I just, like, felt it. it no, was, but... but I think that would have been a really great arc because, like, they're Victoria's so nasty and like, and she does start to get better. And I, I don't know, I really who doesn't I'm love a, rivals turn to lovers. I, I so my good. favorite so love classic. story. It is rival man's, but, <laughs> but no, I think even then, there's a lot of stuff in there that does get at this sense that it's hard to become friends with Victoria, but the people who are aren't doing it just for status. Yeah, uh, Courtney has a lot where she talks about like if you end up friends with her and talking to her about her mom it she has a lot where she's just like look like i'm i'm more than just like victoria's crony but don't like she's like i'm my own person but also don't underestimate me and think that i'm just here because she's popular like she was like really there for me in a time when i needed her to be and you get that same thing with with nathan where like nathan's clearly got a fucked up home life and he's got jefferson as this really screwed up father figure which speaks a lot to what his actual father's like and you see a bunch of emails where it's hard to tell whether they're from jefferson or his actual dad because it and it feels like it's a mix of the two and it's these two different just really manipulative forces and you definitely get the impression that victoria's response to that was kind and sympathetic and helpful and that like she can be really mean and she's extremely insecure but that this sort of cult of personality around her isn't just because she's rich or anything like that. And you get the impression that Max kind of starts to realize that she's sort of been reductivist in the way that she assumes Victoria's relationships work. And that it seems like if you're actually in that inner circle, she's really one of the better friends you could have. You actually see that when, um, in the alternate timeline where Chloe is paralyzed. Oh yeah. Um, you 
get text met you're in you're friends with victoria that's like you wake up to being friend being in that circle of people with nathan victoria all the other popular girls literally sitting in a circle with them yeah and although it's jarring and she runs away if you look back over the text messages at that point you have a bunch from victoria where she's like hey like you seemed like really weird earlier are you okay like I'm like I know you're not answering me right now, but if you need to talk, I'm here. Like yeah. really super supportive person. Even Nathan sends some friendly weird text yeah. messages, and I'm like, shut up, Nathan. Yeah, it's it's like this, this weird <laughs> timeline where <laughs> circle. It's like this weird also alternate timeline where he's like not been adversely affected by Jefferson and like has managed to deal with whatever issues he has because it's clear like obviously we're we're made to think at this point still that he's like just crazy and deranged serial killer type guy. Yeah. Whereas realistically there is a potential Nathan who has like overcome whatever mental issues he does have and can be like a normal fulfilled person. Although right? Rachel Amber is still missing in that timeline. True. It's the kind of, I think in that, I think you are also, I think we, just in general, we're touching on, I think one of the other strengths of the game up until you realize it and you start making your choices based on it. And that's the fact that this is a game where no one really is who they appear to be at first. And that, like, by and large, it's it's always about that that first impression is misleading. And in a lot of ways, it works towards you, where people's first impression of Max is not necessarily what Max is like. But that you realize that your first impression of Nathan is that he's the bad guy. It's like, well, yes and no. It's more complicated than that. Your first impression of Jefferson is he's a good guy. No, not true. Your first impression of just like everybody ends up being at least turned on its side, if not its head. Like Victoria gets fleshed out. It, it certainly seems like it's all there. And I think that that's great up until you realize that and you start saying, well, clearly this person seems like a shit. So they're probably all right and I shouldn't be awful to them. And it's kind of unfortunate that I hit a point where I was making choices like that. But once you start seeing, it's like, uh, Justin, you brought it up earlier. Victoria, you meet her and just, you get that Cordelia from Buffy the Vampire Slayer vibe yeah. very quickly. And I think that that, sets the stage for that and that can be kind of tricky because then you're not really making your choices based on max you're making your choices based on like you as a player sensing a narrative structure but i think that one of the really good examples of that is uh david madsen where it's so easy to go through and it's like man this guy's a shit and i don't think that i disagree with that but as you go you see that it's really more this is someone who really wants to protect chloe and joyce and really cares about this family he just doesn't really understand how to do that he doesn't his his tactics are much more military, which makes sense because he has a military background, and he's having a hard time coping with civilian life. And he's looking at this, and he doesn't really understand ways to help Chloe like him. And for whatever reason, he thinks the way to do that is launch full-scale, super-creepy investigations on everyone in the school. Arguably to help Chloe find her best friend, though. Oh, yeah, for which sure. Which is like... Like, you see how he thinks he's helping. And yeah. even then, that best friend who he thought was a bad influence on Chloe, and just at no point does he seem to really realize that the thing that's pushing Chloe away is the way that he's trying to help her. And, like, I don't think that that forgives or justifies the way that he tries to do that, but I think it's a really good coloring of this character. And as you go with what you're talking about, Corinne, where you go and if you tell him that Chloe's dead, you see it. He is wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, it's a super intense moment, and you get that sense up until then. But seeing it in those few moments where it really comes through, I think it really doubles down on David is an interesting character. And I didn't necessarily feel bad about the way I reacted to him as Max 
in those moments where I was saying, like, step the fuck off. You just hit Chloe or you are just being super unreasonable with Joyce or you are keeping all these creepy files. Don't try and defend that. You're wrong. No. And just like hassling Kate Marsh. I feel like it's really hard to agree with his actions, but they do a really good job of having that build to it's like, no, he's he's not a bad person. He's just an asshole. And <laughs> but yeah, like it's and I think that it's really hard to create a character where you can hold those two things at once. And I think they did a really good job doing that in in David. I've got to say, I was so relieved to see David in that final episode when he comes to save Max. Mm. Because, like, he'd been, like, and I'd wanted, he's one of those characters who I wanted him to give me a reason to like him. And he would give me, like, half a reason sometimes. And there's, like, definitely, the, I think, like, the shitty things he has done make it hard to say, like, okay, well, he's, like, actually good. It's like, no, he's just, he's complicated. He's good and he's bad. And he needs to, like, work his shit out, like, seriously. <laughs> Because Jefferson has been, like, a creep for, like, a long time, and then he just, like, a, then, you know, you help, you use your rewind power to help Madsen help you, and it's just, like, that's the person who he wants to be, and that's the person who he should be, and, like, I think at that point, Max sees that he would be if, you know, his shitty personality didn't get in the way, but I don't know, I really like moments like that in games where someone will surprise you, and, like, the last person you're expecting to actually help you out shows up. And ends up kind of, like, saving the day. But it's more than just, like, oh, who's the last person you'd expect to help you here? This guy. All right, cool. He'll be there. Like, he shows up and you're like, yeah, this this feels right. Yeah. I don't really understand how he knew about the dark room and how he got there and why that happened, but that's okay. It's not important. At one point he met, he suggests that you told him to come there. And this is, de you're definitely in one of the timelines Yeah, it's where, like a little bleed from an alternate time. The, yeah. Where you it gets kinda... messy there when she ends up back there because he burned the diary, but he only could have burned the diary if things happened a different way that she changed in one of the photos. But if she couldn't have gone back in the photos, and you can, it yeah. gets pretty messy. You hit time travel shit and diagrams with straws and right. it's, yeah, it's a lot easier. You just say like, yeah, this is just what happened and you roll with it. Yeah, no, you're totally right. All right. So I think that's, that's life is strange. Does anyone else have, have anything else they want to say? Obviously, we have a lot of emotions about it, so if you like games where you have a lot of emotions, this is the one. Somebody please write that fanfiction. <laughs> please. Yeah. I told Clayton to do it, but he was not into the idea. That's a really, it's a neat idea. God, I want it so bad. Well, so, if that's that's it for now, I'm sure that we'll be, we'll be back to Life is Strange in our topic episode that you'll be getting up next for just all of our lifetime travel series where we'll be talking about replay and looper and life is strange all together so definitely stick around for that after that will be our new series on escape starting with adventures of cavalier and clay and until then thank you so much for listening